Blog Talk Radio. NASCAR is back and it's closer than ever in Dover, Delaware at Dover International Speedway, home of the Monster Mile. Experience the free concerts featuring legendary singer-songwriter and poison frontman Brett Michaels. Free fun and games for all ages and the best tailgating around. Fuel your own traditions at Dover International Speedway this May 4th through the 6th. Tickets start at just $50 and kids 12 and under get in for just $10 on Sunday and free Friday and Saturday. For tickets and info, visit DoverSpeedway.com or call 800-441-RACE. That's DoverSpeedway.com or call 800-441-RACE. In a world where speed reigns supreme, where discipline and danger collide, unpredictability is the one thing you can count on. Jimmy Johnson, a night of ups and downs, and it's down again. On May 12th, just one hero will triumph. No one knows which hero it will be. He's going to do it again tonight here at Kansas Speedway. Critics are calling it an unscripted masterpiece. If you see only one epic event this spring, make it this one. Kansas Speedway is the only place you can experience this kind of heart-pounding suspense. Witness a battle where drama lurks at every turn. Open into the outside wall is Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. Coming soon to a track near you. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Night Race. Only at Kansas Speedway, May 12th. Tickets at kansasspeedway.com. Rated you for unexpected. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro. Listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. Good evening from Dagon Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Uh, my daughter and wife, Suzanne, handling the phone lines. we got Reverend Joe from out there in sunny Southern California. Reverend, how you doing, my friend? Doing okay. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing a lot better than I was the other morning. <laughs> yeah, what happened? You got sick or you walked Yeah, well, much? yeah, I... I uh, you know how you eat too late, Reverend? Well, we was late getting back in, and I wanted some spaghetti. And, uh, of course, you know, Suzanne uh, cooked it, and uh, and it's got that tomatoy stuff. And about 3 o'clock Sunday morning, I, you know, you know how to get right there up under your chin, and, you know, you get the chills and all that. But after about six, eight hours, I got I got better. Well, I can tell you this. When you've had the kind of surgery you had, the medicines they have you on mess with your system and you know i'm an italian from new york and tomato sauce and i don't get along anymore ever since my surgeries and these medicines they have me on worthless you know reverend joe you're probably right since i started having these surgeries before that i never had a problem with tomato sauce and stuff with spaghetti so more than likely that's probably what it was yep it may get out of your system. Sometimes it's the anesthesia. It takes a year or better to totally get out of your system, and then things change back. But sometimes they don't. We're not getting any younger, so I'm not as young as you. But, you know, maybe you'll get lucky enough to get as old as me. I hope I hope the good Lord lets me stay around that long, Reverend. But, yeah, I'm, I, 
I'm not no spring chicken. I'm not going to go ahead and lie. I'll be 48 in July. I'm not old, but I'm at that in-between stage where, uh, Reverend Joe, you remember being 48 where stuff starts happening and you start feeling older. You're not old, but you start feeling different things than what you did when you were a teenager. It's a little easier from 50 to 60. I hope you're right, Reverend. I hope you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm hoping the stretch from 70 to 80 is easier than it's been so far this 69 years. But anyway, shall we get this party started? Yes, sir. Crank it up, Reverend. All right. Lord, we come before you and we thank you so much for all you do for all of us. We thank you for the race weekend. We just had a Talladega that we have no injuries of any major category and no one was seriously injured that we know of. We thank you for protecting us all. We ask you for further healing for Tim and myself and everyone else who's out there who's suffering with whatever ailment. Be with us all and thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die for my sins so that I would have clear access into heaven when I die. Be with us all. Bless us all. Be with our soldiers and all those who put on a uniform to save the rest of us from what goes on in this world. And we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. Amen. Let everybody know where they can follow you. You know, we let you do it every every week. Uh, it's on track with Jesus. I've already got all that memorized. I probably got it all memorized. But uh, you do a, <laughs> a lot of great time for the sport reverend out there on the west coast because i know you know y'all can't make it way back over here where we are but let everybody know they can follow you on social media and your websites and exactly what you do for uh for for the sport and for you know just your ministry well on facebook you can now find us and on track with jesus on facebook my personal facebook is rev joe bubico my email address is on track with Jesus at AOL.com. And uh, my uh, web address is on track with Jesus.org. My phone number is 951 232 7630. And we are planning on traveling around the country a bit this year. Just could use a little extra funding. So anyone that wants to help us out, go to the webpage. There's a donate section there. Makes it real easy. And we thank you all. Reverend Joe, thank you very much. But before we let's get out of here, uh, I can't remember if I asked you last week, where, where are you and Bet- Betty head- headed? Can't talk. Where are you and Betty headed to for your next race? Well, the next race we've got on our schedule is in uh, Sonoma. Um, that's on the schedule at the moment. Uh, and then. Uh, we're planning on going to Michigan and maybe over to the East Coast. And then if we get lucky, maybe we can head south on the East Coast and wander through Talladega. Come on down, brother. You and Betty can stay with us. Uh, I know Stephen and Anne Marie, they're going to come this fall in October, but we got we got plenty of room. If we have to get a, if we have to get some of them blow-up mattresses, we'll get some blow-up mattresses throw, throw out there in the den. But you're welcome to come. Yes. It's not a problem. We'll be traveling in our motorhome, so we just need a place to park, and we'll be fine. So. Well, I can I can find you somewhere to park, Reverend. 
I know, I know, I know a few people high up there at Tallahassee Super Speedway. I can find you somewhere to park. I knew that. I, I figured <laughs> that one out. And, uh, we've we've um, been fortunate in the fact that um, we go to Las Vegas Motor Speedway every year and um, get to meet a lot of people there from many racetracks and uh, up in the upper echelon. Uh, and California Speedway, and met a couple of people who are actually the presidents of different racetracks um, over the years, and a couple more this year, who have invited us out to their racetracks and said they'll take care of us. So with a little bit of luck, we'll be able to travel out to those places and make it work. Amen, Reverend Joe. The good Lord's going to take care of us. Reverend, uh, thanks again for being the official Reverend of the Pit Stop with Timmy Spain and Stephen Wilson. Tell Miss Betty, we said hello. Y'all have a great rest of the week and weekend, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday, brother. Absolutely. Talk to you then. God bless. God bless you, Reverend Joe. Reverend Joe there, the official Reverend of the Reverend. Let's bring on, uh, where's one of my buttons at? Uh, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com and my co-host and good friend from up there. In the Commonwealth of Virginia, just right outside of which Richmond Raceway, I'm I'm having problems. Everything's running together. It's not my good friend Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Stephen Wilson there, SpeedwayDigest.com. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm a lot, I don't know if, if you heard me and Reverend Joe talking. I'm a lot better than I was the other morning, Stephen. <laughs> Woo! We eat late, yeah, and I, I told Suzanne, I said, I want some spaghetti, which we eat all day at the racetrack there. Saturday, and she said, you still hungry? I said, I'm craving spaghetti. Well, it was late when I ate it, and you know how it is. Onions don't do you well. Undab of the tomato sauce and that stuff didn't do me well, and it took me about six, eight hours to get back to myself. I had to, I had the chills and I got to sweating and, uh, but we did, we did make it. Uh, like I text you, we finally got up and I said, Suzanne, what you want to do? She said, It's up to you, Tim. So I walked down the back porch, sort of stretch a minute, and uh, the two F sixteens came flying over, headed back to Montgomery from the flyover, and I sort of put chills on me. I said, Suzanne, we going. Let's get the shower and go. So we went, but it was rough. It was rough. I told you not to walk so much, but I could have saw that you're down on pit road taking pictures and sending them to me. So, uh, and I don't think you said you ever went to uh, anywhere else but pit road all day long. That's it. Yeah, we uh, went, went everybody to the press box, and then I was back and forth, uh, media center, and I want to throw a big shout out to. Russell Brown there at Tidal Super Speedway Public Relations Director. Him and Grant Lynch, the whole staff there, uh, they got some new people, but I'm going to throw out a big shout-out to them. They really took care of us. We got that big, thick pork chop like we were talking about. We were headed to the racetrack uh, Friday morning because I went out Thursday for the press conference with uh, with Bubba Wallace and the, the local media, and they fed us there. We had Domino's Pizza, Stephen. <laughs> 
just to let everybody know. And the reason we had Domino's Pizza, Russell said that was Bubba's favorite favorite food was Domino's Pizza. So we had Domino's Pizza that Thursday, and it was pouring down rain. I got soaking wet. Pulled up out there, parked in the media parking, and kept sitting there and sitting there and sitting there. And it got around 10:30 or so, and uh, I was going to try to go in and get everything set up. And uh, Rowdy showed up once I got in, but I finally got in there. I went ahead and just said, you know. Uh, Suzanne's a type person. She's got 14,000 umbrellas. And I said, there's got to be an umbrella in this vehicle somewhere. Well, I'm, you know, with me, with my with my new titanium hip, I'm crawling around through Suzanne's trailblazer. You've seen the trailblazer. Trying to get back in there and find an umbrella. I ain't found an umbrella yet. So I said, I'm just going to get soaking wet. So I got a computer, got the backpack, took out in there, and uh, things set up, and Rowdy come in. Me and Rowdy sit down and talk. Just let everybody know Rowdy Megalite, uh, his uh, show's on Monday nights on Spillway Digest Radio. He come in and get everything set up. Bubba done really, really well with the uh, with the media. And uh, I had asked him the uh, question, which I actually got it uh, downloaded, but I didn't get it uploaded into the studio. I asked Bubba, you know, he uh, started racing Bandoleras and the Legends cars back when he was growing up. He said he was nine years old. And I asked him, I said, Bubba, did you ever think you would be let alone racing in NASCAR's top-tier series in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, and let alone driving the number 43 iconic number for Richard Petty. And uh, he said, Tim, no, I didn't. He said, I didn't, I didn't have a clue. I was just having fun. But we've had a big, great weekend here at uh, Dega. I followed your coverage. You've done a great job also. And then, uh, like I said, Friday we went out, and I'm back, I'm sort of, sort of backing up from Thursday, going back to Friday about the big pork shop. We was headed out there and uh, Mike Bagley and everybody on the Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90 were talking about that big pork shop. Well, I had asked Bagley Sunday, I said, Mike, did you get one of them big pork chops? He said, Tim, you know I did. And Stephen, I, like I talked about last Tuesday, that son of a gun, I was on Rowdy's show last night and I was talking about it being thick as a two before, which you know, a two before was an inch and a half by three and whatever three and a half three and five eighths but it was thick as a true two before it was a chop brother and that son of a gun was some count and let me hit let me hit a t i got long-winded go ahead bubba oh no i'm just sitting here listening to you talk about this uh you know the pork chop down there um because you know i can always figure out which day it is based on what you guys are eating because it's always about the uh pork chop day one it's uh, the catfish on day two, and, uh, you know, whatever they have left over on day three by Sunday. So <laughs> I can always uh, kind of figure that out. And, you know, we had Russell on a few weeks ago. He wanted to come on prior, Stephen, and uh, he talked about, you know, the, the him and the track and everybody here, ISC here at Talladega Super Speedway, they take care of the meat as far as the food. He was not lying. There's always something good. Just like, you know, your your famous deal up there is that Martinville hot dog and whatever they got up there at Rich from whatever, you know, Dennis Bickmeyer stirs up and everything. But it was a really great weekend, Stephen. We've had some of the some of the best weather that we've had in the past few weeks. You know, we've had cold, we've had rain, we've had snow and sleet at at, at Bristol and finally we come out here Friday after that big flood I was talking about Thursday during the Bubble Wallace. Uh, media conference there, but we got some good weather Friday. Suzanne enjoyed it. We got to go over and talk to uh, talk to Bill Kimmel. Uh, uh, Bill in the car, but Will was here for the for the General, General Tire 200 for the Arca Racing Series, Talladega Super Speedway. Will was here. Didn't get to speak to him. He was 
he was working on the car. They had a Hickle kid in it, and um, I don't remember where he actually finished, but uh, got over there and got to meet Rowdy and uh, Rowdy's co-host, Mark. Uh, finally got to meet him. He come all the way down. I think he's from Ohio, Stephen. He come all the way down from Ohio, and Rowdy and them done all that stuff, and then we were going to do the show Saturday, and we had some technical issues. Internet wasn't really that great, and the cell tower was all jammed up, so... I apologize for that, and I apologize for Sunday that we didn't get to do that one. But, uh, Stephen, we had Tyler Diggle lived up to his name. Uh, practice uh, that Friday, Jamie McMurray was uh, fastest, and then uh, I think Ryan Neiman was second fastest also. Well, in, they ended up, you know, um, Jamie McMurray flipped a car on on the backstretch, which I sent, sent you some pictures of that. Uh, the number one car there for Chip Ganassi, we had – the rolling, a car road, plus we had the big one in the Geico 500. We had one of the closest races ever when Zane Smith went in there at the General Tire 200 Friday evening. Spencer Gallagher won the, the NASCAR Xfinity Series race there, the uh, Sparks Energy 300. It, it was, Talladega played up to what we thought it was going to play up. Would you agree, Steve? Yeah, I think, you know, when you go there, too, Talladega, it's almost the great equalizer into the fact that you don't know what's going to happen when it's going to happen. And, you know, a, a lot of these teams that finished there in the top 10 this past weekend, or even were running in the top 10 throughout a good majority of, of the, the race. Take a look at uh, David Reagan in front, uh, front row uh, motorsports where those guys would, um, they they were running top five, top tens all day long out there. Matt Benedetto, another one. You know, these teams aren't traditionally teams that, you know, you see running to the front or even have a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of uh, coverage on TV. But they did this weekend, and it's kind of that great equalizer in many aspects that not only does a team have an opportunity to go out there and get a good finish or, you know, compete against some of these more well-funded teams that have better and more better and more engineering uh, on staff, uh, um, you know, very different uh, engineering agreements with the manufacturers, um, some of the better equipment in the sport. And it really doesn't matter who you are almost that, I mean, even take a look at Greg Galding this weekend, they got a top 25. I think they were 22nd, 23rd, something like that. Again, this is a, another team that not necessarily you hear about them on a weekly basis or even run up in the top five or top 10, but these teams, you know, through attrition and we had a fair amount of attrition throughout the race and even some late race attrition that uh, some of these drivers that, would traditionally not be at the front or even at the middle of the pack or in the middle of the field at other tracks, we're running up in the front and you're getting really good, getting really good finishes at the end of the day. Exactly, Stephen. And to sort of touch on what you said, David Reagan, I didn't get a chance to actually talk to him. I wanted to, but he was sort of tied up and, and busy. But I did speak with Matt Benedetto, and I asked, I asked Matt, I said, Matt, how's – How's the car? I said, you know, this is one of them races, like you mentioned, Stephen. David Reagan won. Uh, don't get me lying about the year, but you know, it was the David and David show. David Reagan won it. David Gill in the second. But I asked Matt. I said, Matt, how's how's the car, and how's the is the car sucking up good? And he said, Tim, this is one of the best super speedway cars I've ever had here. 
He said it sucks up real good. And I asked him about the uh, about the new no ride height rule. Stephen, they have got their rear ends of them cars just slapped down like a low rider, far as far as they can get them. And Talbot Speedway was repaved not too long ago, so you don't have really don't really have that many bumps. But there was a section right outside the media center where Suzanne and I were standing where you, when they were cars were going out to practice. It wasn't really like a uh, a uh, a water trenching deal thing it was like a transition from asphalt down to the asphalt but it had a little dip and the cars coming out i noticed some of them after two or three times coming in coming out for practice instead of hitting that square on if they hit it squared on I mean, if that rear end would bottom out you could you could hear every car come across there but they were starting to hit it sort of catty corner like a left right and sort of go across it and it wasn't dragging but with the new ride height through, Stephen, and we and we've talked about this gazillion times, with the new spoiler being being lower, do you think? And which we had some wind too. Talking about the big one, and the cars, we've talked about when one car gets inside the other one, uh, on the on the on the left side rear quarter panel, he can take the air off of that car in front of him. Do you think NASCAR needs to look at <clears throat> changing and going back to a ride height through, or should you think they should let them go like that as far as the aero package? <clears throat> I think it's pretty much anything that we've seen in the past. When we talk about a lot of these rules, when these teams begged and implored NASCAR to kind of let up a little bit on those lug nuts, we started seeing teams go with, you know, four lug nuts. And then it went to three lug nuts. And then it went to two lug nuts. And then we started having tires come off of cars and all kinds of issues. And then that's when NASCAR had to reel this thing back in. You take a look also in the similar aspect of these guns that they were using, the pick guns. Teams were buying these, you know, custom-built guns and then further engineering them that these guns were starting to get into the tens of thousands, even close to hundreds of thousands of dollars for a team to buy and engineer specific and specialty guns. Sometimes they weren't just for guns for a specific, you know, uh, uh, track, but they were getting down to specific races in which the guns would only be used in one race. Uh, So I think, you know, then NASCAR went back and they – that okay, you know, the costs are out of control, this is out of control, we need to do something about it. I think NASCAR has always been in a reactive state more than a proactive state. And what I mean by that is, is that you look at a pattern over many, many years uh, in how that they've dictated rules within the series, or even the top series for that matter, They've also they've looked at the rules. They've let the, let the teams have a little bit of leeway, but when they get to the point that the leeway is causing you know astronomical costs or their safety issues, then that's when NASCAR reacts instead of you know cutting it out before it gets to that point. And sometimes that isn't the case. They've gone and made different rules based on things that they're seeing, so they are reactive in some sense. But I. I think when it comes to, you know, these low rod height rules that they're pinning these cars straight down to the track as much as they can pin them down, they're skewing the the, the rear of a car to left to catch some 
downforce drag on those big spoilers that they put on these speedway, super speedway cars. I think a lot of these things at the end of the day will be NASCAR is going to continue to watch. They're going to continue to see what's going on. And if it starts becoming a problem that it's a safety issue, then I think that's when they'll react and they'll go back to these minimum ride height rules. Exactly. Exactly, Stephen. I agree with you 100%. And with with that being said, like you said, here here at Talabuga, you really don't have that much tire wear. I walked through uh, Sunday, I walked through Saturday, walked through the Xfinity garage, looked at some of the tire wear. Goodyear was everywhere. They had the engineers and all every, everywhere. And I think that's why you're seeing, <clears throat> God, I got a <clears throat> tickle in my throat, excuse me. Uh, a lot of the uh, pit stops during the Geico 500, they were taking on fuel only. So that goes to show you right there that Goodyear brought a really, really good tire to Talladega Super Speedway. Do you think Goodyear needs to maybe look into maybe softening that tire up to sort of get a little bit of tire wear, or do you think they maybe need to leave it, you know, just leave it alone because everything's working good? Maybe throw some strategy in there. Just want to throw out out there at you. Unfortunately, I think that we need to kind of keep the tires the way they are because it's a safety measure, first and foremost, right. on these 200-mile-an-hour-plus tracks. So, Going with a softer tire, unfortunately, I think that you could. This may cause too much of a potential or propensity for a problem, and this isn't something that NASCAR, the teams, Goodyear, or anybody in the series or in NASCAR, you know, would want to occur. It's really just about finding the right balance, and I don't think the tires are yet. The the unfortunate part about this was is that. The teams just turned into a slight fuel strategy race where the stages were set just beyond a handful of laps from a full fuel run. And teams were coming in at 8, 9, 10, 11 laps into the first segment. And this was occurring throughout the rest of the day. We really didn't, we weren't seeing people running out of fuel. We were, what we were seeing was is that a lot of changing up of the strategy, which broke those. 20, 25, 30 car packs that we've used, been used to seeing in the past down to, you know, 12, 15 cars. You know, this this is something that I think should be looked at. I think that when we come to a place like Talladega, we come to a place like Daytona, these are places that fans want to see those large packs of cars running inches away from one another, three, four, five wide, uh, for good amounts of the race. And, you know, we've got to – I think NASCAR is going to be in a situation when they come back next year because they've already looked at, at – they've already set the stage races for this year. But next year maybe um, change them around just a little bit so that you can get some green flag stops in there, which would – that that you need a full fuel run within it, and then you still got to go beyond by 20 or 30 laps, something like that, in each of the two stages, and break the third stage down maybe a little bit less than it has traditionally been in the last year or so. And that will keep these cars a little bit closer together. I think we'll see more passing that way, especially for the lead. I think we only had 64 or something like that, which is a still considerably actually a lot for Talladega, considering the historic record is 88 passes for the lead. And, uh, you know, it wasn't so far off, but I think, you know, we 
fans are really traditionally want to see a lot of that racing, a lot of that close quarter racing. And by cha- making some slight changes to the stages would probably be beneficial um, from a fan's perspective and what they're seeing in the race. Exactly, Stephen. And I want to move on to another subject. Um, I was there at the racetrack, and I didn't know nothing about it until you texted me. You said, did you hear the announcement? And I said, no, I forgot about going in there. Uh, NASCAR welcomes ARCA to the family. Uh, NASCAR has purchased ARCA Racing Series. I don't know how all this is going to go, but I want to get your – can you talk a little bit about how you think this is going to go to the ARCA Series, which has been around for 68, 69 years, something like that. But the France is also – Welcome to the the Automobile Racing Club of America. They all work together, but now the purchase or would you call it, I don't know if I call it a purchase, maybe a merger. What do you think? Does does this do anything to help ARCA? Does it do anything to hurt ARCA? Well, you know, in in an environment where you know, unfortunately, we're seeing a rating of the ship. I guess you could say in the motorsports world, um, we're not 12, 15 years ago at the height of popularity. We're kind of right-sizing the the motorsports industry back to what it was and at a good point that I think everybody can be happy with. So, you know, with that comes some consolidations and some other work that comes into it. You know, a few years ago, Jim France, who was there, that made this announcement also brought IMSA under the NASCAR banner. And sports car racing is probably now healthier and stronger and more popular than it was maybe even previously. Um, So with ARCA... They've for since I think 1953 or something like that. They've uh, you know been around 1953, 1954, whatever it is, has been an independent organization. But they've worked very, very closely with NASCAR. They've over the last multiple, multiple seasons for decades started their season there in Daytona. They've run at many different NASCAR tracks across the across the uh, three series that NASCAR goes to. They're going back to Charlotte this year. They end their series in Kansas uh, during a complement race to the NASCAR weekend. So I think by them bringing them under the NASCAR banner is somewhat good because when you look at these up-and-coming drivers, they not only compete in the NASCAR Canyon or after Canyon East or West Series, but they're also competing in the ARCA Series. And this gets fundamentally expensive when teams and drivers and sponsors have to come up with the capital to run that type of series or run those type of schedules for these up-and-coming drivers that will eventually one day make it into the top three tiers of NASCAR. So by combining them, it's a good opportunity for NASCAR and ARCA to work together to build one car that could be run in this lower tier for these drivers. So they can run it at NASCAR Canyon East, West, 
or the Arca series, and there's no changes to the car, the templating of the car, the construction of the car, aside from if you go to a place like Talladega or Daytona, or if you're running at a place like uh, Kansas or Salem or somewhere like that, of course you're going to have your different cars, but they can take one car, one common car, and use it for multiple series, and this lowers the cost across a, a lowers the cost across the board. And with Arca using Ilmore engines that have to be used for multiple races, this is something else that they can start implementing in the K&N series is a common engine package also. So I think it could be good. You know, we've got 18 months or so before NASCAR takes this thing over in 2020. ARCA did say they will continue into the future of going to their their traditional tracks such as Toledo and DeQuinn and Salem and some of these other dirt tracks that they've gone to in the past. Um, so where they fall at in this and potentially maybe even, like I said, with these common cars, which I'm hoping they may come together with, these could put some of these K&N drivers back on dirt and make for very exciting races and also bump the counts up. I think you could see a lot of bumping of the, uh, the, the car counts at some of these events and maybe even just companion events where you're seeing the same driver run ARCA and run K&N uh, either on the same night or on separate nights. And also, Stephen, to add to your point there, uh, the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series, they're running the Ilmore engine also. So you could actually take that engine out of a uh, uh, Arca, uh, Arca car, uh, one of them K and N cars, a wheeling car, and also you could drop if you got a truck chassis, you could take that engine and drop it off in a truck chassis and run go some and go do some truck racing too, Steve. Yeah, so you know there there's a there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of opportunity here and a lot of common you know, denominators that could reduce cost down for drivers. And teams, and a lot of these teams now, you know, uh, uh, GMS Racing, Joe Gibbs Racing, a lot of these feeder teams are entering the K&N, I mean, not only the K&N, but the ARCA series, and they've done traditionally in the past. So you could just get, you can consolidate this thing down where sometimes consolidation, you know, in an industry not, is not necessarily good. But I think in this case, we've got to find ways to reduce costs. And for this, it's a way to reduce costs. It's a way to reduce costs in the engines, the cars, the engineering. You know, all these teams can now come together and not just, like I said, have this capital outlay. Exactly. And, Stephen, I'm trying to hunt it up right now, but uh... – not really changing the changing the subject, but talking about you know these lower tier teams and some of these drivers that has been in the series, out of the series. I come around the corner of the garage and guess who I run into? I run into Timothy Peters. I say, "Hey brother, what's going on? What are you doing here?" He said, "Tim, I'm making my Cup Series start." And I was trying to find. I don't remember where he finished, but he was he he made his Cup Series debut here in uh, in the number ninety two Ford for. Uh, Michael Hester at RBR Enterprises. I interviewed him. He said, Tim, the car is really good. He said, it's typical Talladega. He said, I'm glad to be back, glad to see you, and I just hope I can get some future funding. So that right there shows you Timothy Peters come back, run the Geico 500, his Cup Series debut, which he has won here. A multiple, I think two, don't correct, correct me if I'm wrong, I think two times here 
in the uh, trucks for Red Horse Racing. So he was he was real ecstatic. I asked him about the ride height through, and he said, "Yeah, Tim, it's you know you got to sort of get in there. There's not it's not real bumpy because the track was repaved back a few years ago. But he said if you get it too low, it will it will bottom out. But Peter's he was ecstatic about being back. I he asked me about running the whenever he and I and Hemrick and all of them went over to the Audubon Speedway a few years back for a media deal racing them go-karts there, and he's, he still remembered it, and me and him had a blast. I think they were getting ready to black flag me and Peters because me and him, was uh, we was showing up doing some bang. We was, about to, we was about to tear the quarter panels off them electric go-karts. But um, just to throw that out there, Stephen, Timothy Peters coming back here making his Cup Series debut, I mean, that was that was pretty neat also. Yeah, it is, because he's up from nearly my neck of the woods. He's out there from the Danville area that he's been exactly. running a lot of short tracks here in Virginia over the last time, uh, last, uh, you know, I guess year, year and a half-ish. And so, well, no, they closed down sometime this part of last year. So we're on racing, yeah, they closed down last year about, you know, about this time. So he's been back running a lot of short tracks around here in Virginia. Uh, he came and ran the Denny Hamlet Showdown. Um, he really, he's been running a lot of stuff here in Virginia, and he's also been getting in various different trucks. He's been in the truck, the number 92 truck, for uh, uh, Ricky Benton Racing also. So it's good to see him staying out there. He's And, and he's wanting some stuff, too, here in Virginia since being back in these late model cars. Yeah. And I'm looking here on speedwaydigest.com. Uh, that's the Gecko 500 starting lineup. I was trying to see exactly where he started. He started 32nd, which that's pretty good. He had a qualifying run of uh, uh, 51.190, a speed of 187.068 miles an hour. That's pretty good, you know, coming back. Like you said, he's from up there in Danville, running uh, short track stuff there. At, uh, I'm pretty sure Langley and, Langley and South Boston and all that, but... To come in and sit in a cup car, which is totally different from what he was sitting in, that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, you just getting out of Talladega is an accomplishment all by itself. And by him, excuse me, I think I've got something coming along, too. <laughs> yeah, by him getting uh, out of there and, it, and in one piece. That that's just a win all by itself. It matters sometimes where you finish at. Exactly, because you know how you know how it was this weekend. They all lined up single file there, which you had mentioned earlier about uh, the way they had the uh, the stages laid out that you had to come the pit road sooner or or later. And uh, like I said, a lot of them were catching was getting fuel only, but uh, they were sort of coming early in the stages that way they could go that longer distance but, distance, but I think that big one, whenever that big one happened, whenever uh, uh, the 48 car come down and looked like I don't think nobody hit nobody, took the air off it, and it was just melee. There was pieces flying. There was stuff flying. You could hear tires popping from all the way down there in the garage, brother. It sounded like, sound like one of them whodunits done happened over there in turn four, and it was a whodunit. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I think about 11, 12, 13 cars or something like that were involved into that one. So, I mean, it was a fairly – I mean, we had two 
we had a mid-sized one prior to that where a handful of cars were, were you know, uh, a part of it. But uh, that one off turn four, yeah, that one, uh, that that one ended up being a little bit more with a fair amount of the field. So not really a fair amount, but a good majority of the field involved in some way. And it always happens, Stephen. The big one always happens. Stephen, let's go ahead and let's go talk about some Dover stuff. I don't really have nothing brought up, but I know we didn't have a guest tonight, but uh, I want to let everybody know I ain't even throw that. The, the number calls call is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Despain alongside the SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson right outside of Richmond, Richmond Raceway in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're talking, uh, just got through talking some Tyler Douglas stuff. Going to talk going to talk NASCAR going to uh, to a Dover to the Monster Mile, Stephen, which is to let some of our listeners know that maybe not know that much about it. It's, it, it is a high-banked concrete oval there. Some people call it a, a Bristol on steroids. It's a self-cleaning racetrack, just like Talladega and just like Bristol. Uh, coming up there, I think the weather's going to be good. I was looking at your uh, at your site. Looks like we're going to have some good weather again, also for that for everything up there in in a in a Dover. So, uh, what do you think we're looking at, bud? You think we might see a first-time winner? Or you think we're going to see a repeat winner? We come to, the, to Dover, it's really a lot of times about Martin Truex Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Carl Larson. There's a lot of drivers that I think will do very well. Truex has won there in the past. Johnson on multiple occasions. He's up there near the top of the leaderboard on wins at that track along with Jeff Gordon. So, you know, there are a fair amount of drivers that when they come to Dover, um, have an opportunity to win, and I think we will probably see a multi-time winner this uh, this weekend in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. But you know they've got to get around that high bank concrete self-cleaning track at that. Uh, so if you get in an incident, you, you're going to be cleaned off the track real quickly in that high bank, which causes issues of itself. Uh, you can tangle up with somebody else very quickly because some of those some of those turns are very very narrow, and two and three wide sometimes try to occur. And the self cleaning mechanism there built into the track uh, will toss some other people up, and we've seen that into the past, ruining some people's day. And Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong. I always say that because I don't because I'm hoping I'm wrong. <laughs> Uh, that's where the Dover International Speedway there, that's where Joe Logano stepped into the number 20 Home Depot car. Isn't that where he made multiple flips and rolls and all that kind of junk up there and probably got a headache? Yeah, he, uh, he yeah, I'm, I believe you are correct that that, you know, is where he flipped multiple times in that car. You'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure now that you've said it, I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm thinking I was. Um, I I was thinking that way. And, you know, like you said, again, that is a self-cleaning track. And that that 20 car of Joe Logano, which uh, he was the Gecko 500 winner this past weekend here at Tallahassee Super Speedway, he, uh, he's clicked his ticket to what, I'm going to go ahead and call it what NASCAR calls their playoffs because they change the name of it every weekend. So it's the NASCAR playoffs in my book. So he's going to be in. And, you know, last year, at your home track, Richmond, that's where he got popped for an infraction after he won that race and missed everything. So uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Roger Penske's pretty glad he's got his 22 car going there. And 
He's going to be tough up there. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, like you said, he all, always runs really, really well. And on concrete tracks, if if Carl Edwards was back, I would say concrete car. But I don't really know what I'm. I don't really know who I'm going to go with. Like you said, Martin Truex Jr. He's been run, running really well. But uh, to go ahead and say it to some of our listeners, it's at Dover there, the Monster Mile. That's you got to stay out of that miniature big one there, also. So we're going. We're going to see what happens. Like I said, we got some great weather coming up, Stephen, so uh, we'll see. And uh got a lot to talk about. I know next week uh, we've got uh, next next Tuesday we've got Mike Smith, uh, retired public relations director for Martinsville Speedway. I think he's with South Boston Speedway. He might have started his own PR company, but Mike wants to come on and talk about that deal going on there. Uh, is, is it the NASCAR wheeling, Stephen, or the NASCAR K&N going to be up there? In South Boston, the uh, the NASCAR K&N series is coming up here. Uh, they they uh, they're going to run there. They got two hundred lap twins coming up for them, and they just put on a really good show up there. As being a part of Dover, uh, I'm sorry, not Dover, but Pocono. They're they're actually owned by the, the by Pocono, and a lot of people may not know this, but being a part of them in the last. It's, multiple years or so, they've put a heavy investment into that track. It was always a very good track to go to, but Pocono has uh, really just put a lot of money into this track, and they have some really good people down there running this, and they're bringing in these events every year. They've brought in a lot of really cool events. They do a lot of cool promotions out there, especially around Martinsville Martinsville weekend where they run some night races, let people in for free or cheap when they have a Martinsville ticket. So, uh, you know, if somebody's in the area, they need to go check it out because they got that, They also got that really thick bologna burger out there, too, that Elliot Sadler always talked about. I forgot about that. Yeah, the bologna burger. And that's also, that's where the Burton brothers are from, Ward and Jeff. They're from right there in South Boston also, correct? Yep, they, they're right there from Halifax, which is uh, – right outside the track, so they're from that area. Well, that's awesome. And like I said, we're going to have Mike Smith on next Tuesday night. He wants to come on and talk about that deal before that before they have that big race up there at South Boston Speedway. And like I said, uh, Stephen, do you have the times and stuff for Dover? I never get all the TV times, radio times. I know we got the trucks. So we got the Jags, the Jags 200 for the uh, National Temple World Series and the one main financial 200 for the X-Fendi and the Drive for Autism 400 for the Cup. Do you have the radio times and all that stuff? I know you always take care of that for our listeners because they always want to know what times is, what times practice and all that. Yeah, you know, you get three days of racing up there this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, starting Friday afternoon, just after lunch, 105. NASCAR Camping World Truck Series qualifying. Uh, then you have at 4.30 coming up. Oops, sorry. Not 3.20, uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. Uh, immediately followed by the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Jigs 200, 200 laps, 200 miles for them. On Sunday morning, 10.35, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying from there. And 200 laps, 200 miles. For the one main financial at one thirty that afternoon, and on Sunday, two o'clock, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying uh, racing, four hundred laps, four hundred miles, drive for autism, four hundred 
from Denver, the one-mile self-cleaning concrete jungle. The monster. And to let everybody know also, uh, MRN will have your radio. Uh, NASCAR XM Channel 90 will also have some of that. Uh, Fox Sports 1 will cover all three of them on TV. So, Steve, we're going to go ahead and get out of here a little bit. Later. I know it's a little bit shy of uh, of the top of the hour, but uh, I want to thank you for everything that you do for us and everything you do for the sport. Steve, and let everybody know if they can follow you on social media and your website. Bro. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. All the information, all the news, all the stuff going on. And this weekend, we won't have anybody there at the track, but next week, uh, Brett is going to go to the racetrack there in Kansas when they Kansas. That's right. So we might we might try to get Brett on there for a minute, see if he wants to talk a little bit a little bit about that. But uh, like I said, uh, y'all follow Stephen on SpeedwayDigest.com. dot uh, com. Y'all can follow me. You can follow me on uh, pitch.radio.net. Stephen uh, handles my website. Stephen, I want to thank you for that. You can also follow me on Facebook at uh, Tim Spain, uh, the Pitch Dot Radio LLC. Uh, Stephen's pages, everything else, Twitter at TD Lyman at the Pitch Dot Radio, and. Uh, Stephen, tell AM and the boys we said hello, and we will talk to you yet Tuesday night. We got Mike Smith next Tuesday night, and let everybody know we're working on Ryan Newman. So y'all have a good evening. Uh, I'm Tim Spain, live from Talladega, Alabama. Y'all have a great one. Go to Dover. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. See you, bud.
Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the Pit Stop with Tim Despang. NASCAR is back, and it's closer than ever in Dover, Delaware, at Dover International Speedway, home of the Monster Mile. Experience the free concerts featuring legendary singer-songwriter and poison frontman Brett Michaels. Free fun and games for all ages and the best tailgating around. Fuel your own traditions at Dover International Speedway this May 4th through the 6th. Tickets start at just $50, and kids 12 and under get in for just $10 on Sunday and free Friday and Saturday. For tickets and info, visit DoverSpeedway.com or call 800-441-RACE. That's DoverSpeedway.com or call 800-441-RACE. In a world where speed reigns supreme, where discipline and danger collide, unpredictability is the one thing you can count on. Jimmy Johnson, a night of ups and downs, and it's down again. On May 12th, just one hero will triumph. No one knows which hero it will be. He's going to do it again tonight here at Kansas Speedway. Critics are calling it an unscripted masterpiece. If you see only one epic event this spring, make it this one. Kansas Speedway is the only place you can experience this kind of heart-pounding suspense. Witness a battle where drama lurks at every turn. Up and into the outside wall is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Coming soon to a track near you. The Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Night Race. Only at Kansas Speedway, May 12th. Tickets at KansasSpeedway.com. Rated you for unexpected.